Today's episode is sponsored by the New Zealand Homeopathic Society. They're a charitable organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting the growth of homeopathy in New Zealand. You can become a member and receive amazing benefits such as access to an online introduction to homeopathy course for beginners from the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy. You'll also have access to the members-only section of their website where you'll find past journals and articles to download or browse. And you'll receive their quarterly newsletter via email as well as a variety of articles on homeopathy, up-to-date information on homeopathic news, tips on how to use remedies for common ailments and upcoming events. Plus, you'll receive 10% discount on remedies purchased from supporting pharmacies, Similimum and Celine Homeopathics. And if you're a book lover like me, be sure to check out their online bookshop. It is amazing. To become a member of the New Zealand Homeopathic Society or to purchase some of their books, visit www.homeopathy.ac.nz. That's homeopathy.ac.nz. Membership is currently only available to people living in New Zealand. Today we speak with homeopath Sunita Venchard, who has been practicing homeopathy for over 25 years. She is also the author of the homeopathic novel Revive, which is aimed at both the public and homeopaths as an immersive way to experience remedies and some philosophy. Best of all, no previous knowledge of homeopathy is needed to read this novel. You can get a copy of her book Revive through Amazon and we'll put the link in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we get to speak with homeopath Sunita Benchard. Welcome, Sunita. Hi, Eugenie. Thank you very much for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on. And I'm really excited because we have never had a, a podcast about a homeopathic novel. I don't know. Does such a thing even exist? Oh, actually, there must be because I, I, I chatted with uh, Farouk Master the other day and he said he yeah. wrote a book about homeopathic fairy tales and how certain fairy tale character would be which person. But I don't know of another one. I just know of his one and yours. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know if I think there's um, another book which just charts the love story between Hahnemann and his wife. Yeah. I think there's a book, there's a book like that, but I don't think there's a book, you know, there's there's books about remedies being characters, as you say, from fairy tales, but yeah. I don't think there I don't think there's a book where the characters are actually based on homeopathic remedies. Yeah. Well oh, actually now that we've said that as well, I've just remembered Liz Laylor yeah. when I interviewed her. I think she yeah. said she wrote a book and it was about homeopathic compatibility and about uh, I think she used uh, uh like movie stars and had them to a remedy. But you know how, okay. how cool. Yeah. I mean yeah. but yours is a like an adventure novel, yes. which yes. is definitely not one of those. So that's really no. exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Before we get uh, right yeah. into all of this, tell us a little bit about how you were first introduced to homeopathy. Well, I was working as a like an IT analyst, um, sort of in computing and stuff uh, mm-hmm. back in the early 90s. And I had quite a few sort of period problems, you know, regular periods, et cetera. And the only thing that the doctor could offer me was like, go on the pill, you know, mm-hmm. and I really didn't want to do that. So just at that same time, I remember reading an article in Marie Claire magazine, actually, about this woman who'd been to see a homeopath with pretty similar remedy, you know, sort of symptoms to myself, you know. So I thought, oh, let me try that. And it just happened to be really round the corner from me. So I went and I was just blown away by the idea that 
my physical symptoms were linked to my mental and emotional symptoms and everything was so sort of interconnected. And, you know, from there, the homeopathy helped me. But then at the same time, my homeopath was running like a first aid course in homeopathy. So I thought I'm going to study that. And I was just hooked. And so I started training and that's, yeah, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Homeopathy has a habit of getting us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I have just given a little bit of a spoiler alert there at the start that we're going to be chatting about your novel today, but let's get into it. It is called Revive. Tell us a little bit about what it is about. So Revive is a homeopathic novel, but I wanted to take the reader on a journey kind of through homeopathy So all the characters in the book, not all of them, actually, most of them are based on homeopathic remedies. And it's an adventure fantasy fiction. It's a quest. I won't give away too much, but the main character (laughs) is looking for a cure for her twin sister. So her twin sister is very sick. And then she has to travel through various kingdoms. She meets various people who help her, who, who don't help her. And it's very sort of fantasy based. So the characters are very much, you know, uh, sort of, as I say, based on remedies, but based on the, you know, some of the remedies are from the spider kingdom, you know, the world, and some of them are from the snake world. And so they take on the characteristics of those animals as well. So you're not only reading about the remedy as you know, you learn about the actual remedy as you're reading about mm. those characters, but you're also sort of connecting to the source because it's describing those animals as they are. So you're sort of learning how they function, etc. And that in itself sort of teaches you about the remedies. That's amazing. It sounds like it should be a prescribed textbook. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wish wish it was. (laughs) So you're actually learning about homeopathy without even really realizing it. Yeah, that's it. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. And it actually introduces philosophy as well through the book. Little, just very sort of small snippets, you know, uh, things like, you know, like cures, like those types of things. But also the whole book is actually a kind of metaphor for a consultation, so she is she is going through the journey of finding the cure for her sister. So all through the book, she's getting clues about what the cure could be for her sister. And she's having to find information. So it's very much a metaphor for a consultation. Oh, wow. And did you write it with the homeopath or with the novice in mind? I wrote it with both, actually. So as I say, I don't specifically mention homeopathy or the word in the book, but the idea behind it is that if you read it as um, a non-homeopath, even as a teenager, you can literally read it as a straight adventure fantasy novel and you wouldn't actually know that it was about homeopathy. It's just the remedies give you such a rich context and background to create a character. You know, like one of the characters in the book is Queen Plotina. So obviously that's based on, you know, Plotina, the remedy. And obviously for a homeopath reading it, she would be a haughty. She looks down upon everybody. She's very, um, she's quite cruel in some ways, you know. Often don't like kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and funny you should say that because, you know, one of the first passages in the book talks about how she never wanted to have kids because she hated them, you know. And so... 
as a, a non-homeopath reading the book, you think, oh, well, she's just the baddie, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and that's the character. But as a homeopath, you could read that and think, oh, you know, I'm learning about or or I'm recognizing that remedy in this yeah. person. And, and it goes down to specifics like, you know, she's, you know, I won't give too much away, but in the book, she's not well, the queen. And she talks about feeling sort of tightness in her legs as if her legs are constricted. And she talks about sort of being paranoid about people sort mm. of wanting to te- take her position. And <sighs> so all, ki- all kinds of symptoms that you would see in a Plotina case. Wow, and that's so, really cool. Yeah, so, so homeopaths can read it and they may know all of this already, but they can kind of connect with it at that level. Or if you're a student of homeopathy, you can actually, you know, pick up stuff about remedies and, and actually get into the skin of the remedy. And it's got to be a much better way to remember it because you're going to have that yeah. whole story. I mean, we learn by yeah. stories. So you're going to have yeah, actually absolutely. that image in your mind and actually be able to picture that queen and picture her characteristics and where her symptoms were. So this sounds like a brilliant yeah. idea too, yeah. Um, yeah. a brilliant yeah. way to learn remedies. And for our listeners, uh, Platina is a remedy that's made from platinum. So yeah, yeah that's really cool. Now, yeah. what inspired you to write this? Where did you get the idea from? Well, when, when I was at college in the a long time ago in the 90s, one of the assignments we got set, well, in fact, two assignments we got set. One of them was describe a, le- a day in the life of Nux Formica. So I read about Nux Formica. Nux Formica is a, a remedy made from a plant. And, and to get to do the assignment, you kind of had to get into the skin of a Nux Formica patient, you know, or remedy. And so I, I remember reading and then imagining what it was like if I was a Nux Vomica client. So I wrote a sort of essay about a businessman getting up in the morning, having to drink his coffee to get going, then sort of sort of chucking on his clothes very quickly, getting to the station, being very impatient, waiting in the queue, yeah. being irritable, you know, sort of going to work, sort of telling everybody what to do, being very impatient when things weren't getting done and then so on and then coming home at night and then sort of being so wired up that you couldn't sort of calm down. So you'd have to yeah. drink the wine, have to eat a rich meal, then you couldn't sleep. And, yeah. and then there's like, you know, so the so the typical picture of Nux Vomica. And, um, and I just thought, what a great way you could really feel what it was like. It wasn't just reading it on paper. You could actually feel what the remedy was like. And so I thought this is such a great way to learn about remedies. And that's where the kind of seed for the book was born. That's amazing. I'm already thinking like you, you need to like write several more books because what a great <laughs> way to be learning yeah. about Materia yeah. Medica and so yeah. much more fun than just like road yeah. reading of the yeah. remedies. Yeah. Actually get to have the story behind yeah. it. I think it's going to be incredible yeah. from a learning perspective. And actually one of the things to develop the character, I, I also think for students of homeopathy, one of the ways that you can really learn a remedy is by having a creative session. So like the way that I developed the characters in the book was to start off with keywords about that remedy 
And, you know, it gives you such a rich backdrop for a character. So like one of the characters in the book is Aurum, which is the homeopathic remedy made from gold. And when you look at the Aurum character, they want to be successful, they're leaders. You've already got that kind of backdrop for them. They're ambitious, um, they're very principled. Yeah. And so you you already start to create a story. And that's how all the remedies were created. And suddenly all these storylines just appeared because of yeah. their their background and they sort of interlinked in that way. It's amazing. So, it's, it's almost like a cheats way of writing a book, really. Yeah, because yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. It's incredibly rich material, many yeah, of the type of yeah. person, but you have, were able to obviously you know, put this in how they yeah. relate to each other and put it yeah. into a story to make it even yeah. easier to. Yeah. I mean, writing a book from anyone that I've ever spoken to, they always say it's like, you know, you have to be, you have to be really crazy to do this because it's so much work that goes into writing yes, a book. So gosh. I can just, just imagine. Can you tell us maybe a little bit of, of the process of what it took you to do this? Because I know for some people it can take years. In fact, I, I'm sitting here with ideas of a book. And actually, if you saw the rest of my de- book, uh, my the rest of my desk, I have got reference yeah. books spread out. It's just as well you can't see what's going on behind my laptop. Yeah, spread yeah, out yeah. everywhere because I've walked yeah. around with this idea for a, a year and just yeah. made like little notes, but actually the yeah. sitting down and the writing hasn't happened yet. So I want to know from you, what's the, yeah. what's the process been like for you? It was very long, exactly as you say. It was, you know, that seed was sown back in college. Yeah. And and then I, when I left college and started practicing, I, I'd get sort of flashes of ideas about it and I'd and I'd write snippets down. And I had this book that I just used to write ideas down. And then I think, I mean, you know, then about it maybe 10 years later. I started writing the odd chapter, just getting sort of remedies, saying who are my main protagonists going to be, and started sort of sort of weaving that together. And then I'd kind of written probably about a third to half of the book by 2012, I think. And I thought, I'm never going to finish it if I carry on like this. I'm never going to do it. So, so my husband said, why don't you just take a sabbatical from work and just concentrate on the book and treat that as your day job for, and, you know, we were in a luxurious position to be able to do that. So I did. So sort of at the end of 2013, I took some time off and within sort of six months, I finished it. And, you know, I contacted a professional editor and that was a really interesting um, experience having someone else you know, feed into the book. And it was brilliant. It was such a good experience of, learn, you know, because I don't sort of proclaim to be an expert in English and my grammar is probably not great. And um, she was brilliant. And so she sort of really helped me to to shape the story. She didn't change. She, she said that, you know, what I do as an editor is just kind of make your voice shine more. That's mm. what she said. And I thought that was great, you know, yeah. so And so I learned a lot doing that. And, you know, I was really happy. And then a friend of mine who's very artistic, Nino, she she did the book cover for me. So beautiful. So, yeah. And she just summed up how I wanted it to look. So so it did take a a huge amount of time. And and I got typical writer's block. There were days where I just couldn't think of anything to write. And being at home, there's so much distraction you know, I remember asking one of my friends, can I just borrow your flat for a couple of days? Because <laughs> she wasn't there. And I just went and I started writing, you know, so there was no distraction. That's amazing. You know? 
So there is the, the sensation method. Uh, you said yeah. that you've used that a yeah. little bit as well. Can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what the sensation method is and how you were able to incorporate that into yeah. your story? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the sensation method actually was one of the big inspirations for um, pushing the book along because I'd had the ideas, but the sensation method gave me a huge amount of um, information, extra information that I could use. So the idea behind, you know, the sensation method is that, you know, you very much look at the remedies in their different kingdoms. So you look at plants, you know, remedies made from plants coming from the plant kingdom, animal remedies made from an animal source coming from the animal kingdom. And obviously you've got the mineral remedies, um, you know, the periodic table coming from the mineral kingdom. So each of those three kingdoms have very different characteristics So, um, you know, plant remedies are very sensitive. If you think about a plant, it can't really move, you know, so it is very subject to the environment that it that it lives in. So the rain, the weather, you know, and so it's very sensitive to what's going on around it. So plants tend to have that kind of characteristic. And then you have the animal kingdom, which is all about survival, you know, predators and prey and killing and being killed. Um, there's the Survival sort of group. Of the exactly, yeah. exactly. And you've got the, the sort of group, the herds, the packs. They like to be in groups, some animals, you know, so they, and there's hierarchy within those groups. Um, so that so that's kind of the animal kingdom. And then the mineral kingdom, you have all the periodic table. And if you look at the periodic table, you've got all that structure. You've got the rows, the columns, there's order. And, and this, each mineral, as you go across the periodic table, you have the stages of life from birth to death. And so that's another way of classifying it. So So that was really helpful in writing the book because I did, you know, it created the kingdoms. So, you know, you said like a cheats way. So, you know, when you when you read a lot of fantasy fiction, they create worlds and they create sort of different, you know, like Star Trek and, you know, sort of some of the, you know, Game of Thrones, you know. Yeah, the Hobbit, they all have their fantasy kingdoms. Mm -hmm. So so obviously uh, the sensation method gave me the three sort of kingdoms that I talk about in the book oh cool yeah oh you've you've got me so intrigued I I was (laughs) uh, hoping I could finish it before our interview I have not yet but I have a feeling my 10 year old son would be really interested in reading as well yeah yeah and, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm already thinking we need to like organize a bulk order of the books because I've got a m- group of mums here in Perth who just absolutely yeah. love homeopathy. And yeah. this just sounds like it'd be right down their alley. How do yeah. how do people get a copy of the book? Where's the best place for them to order? You can order it on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. So in any country where you have Amazon and most of uh, so most big countries, you could probably get it in paperback form. But obviously, some other countries it might only be available as an e- as a Kindle or an ebook. Okay. And if anyone yeah. wanted to do a bulk order, like myself, or maybe some colleges around Australia, around the world, yeah. who might be interested yeah. in yeah. getting it for yeah. their students. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, it's, it is only available on Amazon, unfortunately. Okay. I mean, so it would just be a case of ordering it, you know, through yeah. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. And you've got loads of five star reviews. That's really yes, cool. Yes. Yes. So, so I've had really good 
you know, I've had a really good response from all the people that have read it. And I've had a very mixed group of people reading it. I've had homeopaths, you know, and homeopaths who've been practicing for many years and to students mm-hmm. and, uh, and they've all really enjoyed it. And they've all the, felt that, you know, the remedies were true to the Materia Medica, mm-hmm. you know, Materia Medica being the book that describes each of the, you know, each of the remedies mm-hmm. and the people who are not homeopaths at all. I've had, you know, I had, um, you know, a couple of reviews that, that said that it was just a magical book and yeah. page turner and yeah. they didn't, they didn't know anything about homeopathy. So, <laughs> and they, and they still enjoyed it. That's yeah. really amazing. And uh, when is the sequel coming out? Well, that's that's a problem. That's a problem because I have started writing it, and lots of people contact me and say, "Oh, when are you going to finish the sequel?" But it's really still in very early stages. I again need to take time out. Another sabbatical. Yeah, <laughs> time yeah. to have a chat yeah. with your hubby. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I wonder, have you got the book there? Are you able to maybe read yes. us like a tiny? Oh, yes, wonderful, cool. Are yeah, you able I've, to I've read us a book. tiny? a tiny yeah, dish uh, me, from the book so I was mentioning Queen Plotina so this is very early on in the book and um this is where Shezu meets some travelers from the mineral kingdom mineralia as it's called in the book and so I'll just read a bit so it says we are fleeing our homeland the kingdom of mineralia the man lowered his gaze to the ground hesitating when he looked back up it was with sad eyes we were once a proud people That was before our latest sovereign, Queen Plotina, began her rule of oppression. If I tell you her history, then you might be able to understand what she has done to our beloved Mineralia. Shezu's eyes widened at the mention of Queen Plotina, and she listened carefully as the man continued. Queen Plotina is arrogant and proud. She was born to a lowly family, but from the beginning she looked down upon them, claiming she had somehow been placed with them by mistake. As a teenager, her stunning looks attracted attention wherever she went. Eventually, she caught the eye of the prince who became besotted with her aloof but flamboyant charms. They quickly married and he was soon crowned king. Shezu interrupted, looking confused. What happened to the prince's parents, the king and queen? Well, no one knows how it happened, but the king and queen died in a freak fire at the palace shortly after their son was married. Once the new king and queen were crowned, gossip about them filled the land. They had a stormy marriage full of passion and blazing rows. Everyone wanted for them to have children to produce an heir to the throne, but it was no real surprise to anyone that she, the man's voice filled with anger, bore no children. Her intolerance to them, which verged on hatred, was clear for all to see. The prince was a good king and life in Mineralia continued to thrive. But then two years later to the day, everything changed. The king died suddenly under bizarre circumstances while shaving one day, he accidentally slipped and cut his throat. So, so that kind of, yeah, so that, that kind of tells you a lot about, you know, there's a lot of sort of references there that, you know, did she have anything to do with the, you know, the fire? Did she have anything to do with the sudden death of a husband? You know, so there's a lot of speculation there. And that sounds exactly like Fatina. That was so, I mean, 
Yeah. If you're yeah. a homeopath, I can imagine as yeah. a homeopathic student, this would just be invaluable yeah. for your learning. Yeah. And so, yeah. and like you yeah. said, if you didn't know anything about homeopathy, that would still yeah. be super intriguing. And even for yeah. me, I'm like, oh, yeah, just like refreshing yeah. my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is yeah. so cool. I am thoroughly impressed, Sunita. Yeah. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love books. I am obsessed yeah. with books. So I am so excited yeah. about this. Yeah. So, I mean, talking about you know that passage so when I wrote the book I actually used you know from our repertories obviously the books that we find the symptoms in for each of the remedies you know we have our rubrics which are the symptoms of each remedy and I used those specifically in the book so I haven't done a companion guide but I have I might do one actually where you you can actually where you can actually go through the book and you can actually see where the individual rubrics for the remedies are actually used. Uh, you know. You've just created more work for yourself. You're going to have to do that now. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, in there's, you know, just like that passage that I read to you just now, one of the rubrics is um, for Plotina is a delusion. Imagine imaginations that she does not belong to her own family. Mm. You know, so that was she she said she didn't come from a lowly family. So so I've tried to stay as true to the remedies mm. as possible. Mm-hmm. But on top of what you can get from the materia medica, the sensation method also provides you with all the information from the source about mm-hmm. the actual remedies. So in the book, for example, there is uh, remedies from the snake family. And so there's a whole section in there about rituals about shedding skin and about how that can be sort of like a rebirth and you know so you learn about the actual animal or the actual plant you know so because that can be really useful when when taking a case sometimes because you can't always get the information you need about a remedy from the books Mm. so the sensation method sometimes you get clients coming in and talking about really unusual symptoms or language that you think well I can't find that anywhere but sometimes you can find that going back to the source Mm. you know of the plant or the animal you know there's a character in the book which is the main protagonist's mother uh, euphorbia so obviously from that's from the euphorbiaceae family of plants and so euphorbia is a plant and in the book I talk about her constantly feeling tied to something and that's the main sensation of that remedy so in the book she she demonstrates this by sort of wringing her hands and she talks about feeling tired that you know her hands are tied that she can't do anything because her hands are tied so you kind of get the feeling of that sensation from that that remedy and that character that's so cool. And it sounds like it's a type of book where every time you reread it, you'll probably yeah. learn more. And as your own homeopathic journey moves along and you learn more as you go, you would probably yeah. be able to link yeah. more things together because if you yeah. read it and you don't know anything about homeopathy, you're not going to put the extra, you're not going to be able to see that extra layer that's to the book. No, but as you learn abso- more about absolutely. it, you'll go, absolutely. oh, that's why, that's why that person's like that or that's why yeah. that happened. Yeah. yeah. 
exactly and and in fact I have had a few people who've read it more than once myself included because I wrote it a few years ago and so I had to read it again for this podcast because (laughs) I'd actually forgotten lots of bits about it and that was quite interesting because you know I thought oh I don't remember that you know so that was yeah (laughs) I hope you read it going oh that was quite clever of me oh that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) well I don't want to boast (laughs) no no, I know because I have I when I've done court like uh, my homeopathy at home course I the first time yeah. I did it was like eight yeah. years ago now yeah. and every few yeah. years I redo it and then when I go back I'm like yeah. oh that's I didn't I, how did yeah. I know yeah. that that's I forgot yeah. about yeah. that it's good. yeah absolutely yeah, exactly that's exactly what I felt when I was reading I forgot oh you know and I actually forgot bits of the storyline as well so I was thinking oh did I think about doing that <laughs> oh I love it is yeah. there um anything else that you want to leave us with Sunita anything else that you want to mention before we sign off Yeah, no, not really. I mean, just what I said at the beginning that I just wanted to take the reader in a journey through homeopathy, because I think I think one of the things that, um, you know, you said, why did I write the book? I think as all of us who who are homeopaths who study homeopathy or use homeopathy for that matter, it can be magical. And that's the one thing that I wanted to convey, because, you know, when I used to read all my homeopathic books, you are taken away to a kind of magical world. When you see the effects of the remedy, it is like magic. And that's what I wanted to convey, that feeling, that mystery, that magic, that excitement that is homeopathy. That's amazing. Well, it was so lovely to chat with you. I'm hopping on Amazon right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's lovely to chat to you too, Eugenie. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye.